0: This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, I'm Troy Dean from WP Elevation and I'm super chuffed to have with me here in Episode 7 of the WP Elevation Podcast, Sean Hesketh from WP101. How are you, man?
1: Doing great, Troy. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Absolute pleasure. Um, for those of you that don't know, Sean Hesketh is the man behind WP101, which is a suite of video tutorials to teach you how to use WordPress, and also the WP101 plugin, which you give to your clients to teach them how to use WordPress. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's a bit weird, because that's what you and video user manuals do. So what are you talking to this dude for? <laughs> and we're going to talk about that during this, uh, during this um, podcast. So... Before we get into the, the meat and the sandwich, so to speak, a uh, quick announcement for a competition we're running. We're going to give away a $50 Amazon voucher for you to buy your favourite business book or whatever it is, uh, whatever book you want to get next from Amazon. So stick around for details on how you can win that $50 Amazon voucher a little bit later on. All right, and by the way, uh, I'm in Amsterdam right now. I've just come from WordCamp Europe. I'm on one screen in my uh, little hotel room and I've got my iPad over here with a question. So if I keep looking over there, that's why I'm doing that. Um, all right. Sean, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: <laughs> well, I think, like a lot of others, I, I wanted to be an astronaut initially. Uh, I mean, I was full-tilt space geek. You know, I had this uh, this manual that we bought from the local uh, space down in Huntsville, Alabama. They had a the space center there. I actually bought this manual on space shuttle operations, and it had the entire <laughs> – Dialogue between you know the pilots and mission control, and I had most of that memorized, so I, I knew I was going to be an astronaut. But uh, um, over time, you know, and once I got in high school, I took architectural drafting. Really decided, you know, not not astronaut, but uh, you know, architectural drafting. I really enjoyed that kind of technical drawing, and uh, that kind of lent over the years to uh, an interest in graphic design. Yeah, which is where I ended up. So, cool. yeah, initially astronaut, but, you know, seeing the trailer for Gravity, the movie, um, has cured me of all of that. There's no right. interest <laughs> in being an astronaut at all, ever.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and when did you discover the web?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I've always been a geek, I guess. So it had to have been early 90s. I mean, as you know, we had dial-up connections and CompuServe and gopher searches and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I had one of the first... Discs from Earthlink, and yep. uh, you know that's how I kind of discovered using the internet. Uh, but it wasn't until you know mid mid nineties, I guess, that I started actually using it for clients.
0: Right. And do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard?
1: Oh, that would have been I uh, I don't know long about version two point one or so, um, and I had already been doing web design for some time, but you know, largely doing like brochure style sites. For my customers, um, I'd been using, you know, Weezywig products like Adobe PageMill. I don't know if you remember that product or not. Way back in the day, it was a godsend for designers like us because, you know, being a print designer, I could easily leverage those skills to create websites. But most of the sites were brochure style, you know, for our uh, customers. And over time, you know, that was a good 10 years of those building those types of sites. But my clients wanted to, you know, be able to edit their own information, you know, make little changes to their website without having to call and hire the web designer every time they wanted to make changes. So first time I saw the dashboard of WordPress, I, I played around with it as a blog for myself first. Um, but, you know, back then... Uh, you really had to kind of jump through hoops to use it to build a full-out business site, and um, so we did. I did a lot of that in the early days, but I saw potential early on, you know, for using that for client sites, and so as quickly as possible, I began using that for my customers.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's a really common story, you know, like it's this really, really common answer. Well, I started using it for my own blog, and then I started realizing that it could be used for client sites because they wouldn't have to ask me so many questions about how to use it, and I wouldn't have to update it for them, and yeah it's a really common thread. so when did you realize that teaching WordPress to others was an idea worth pursuing?
1: Oh, uh, I think it probably came shortly after I released my first client site using WordPress, you know so I was convinced this was going to be a great tool for them, but you know as soon as you showed them the dashboard, <laughs> they became kind of overwhelmed. They liked the idea you know of being yeah. able to edit their own site, but as soon as you showed them what was so I started doing these, you know, personalized face-to-face training sessions with my customers one-on-one. And then we just build it into the client, you know, into the project uh, cost. Mm. But after doing dozens of these, you know, personalized face-to-face training sessions, I thought, man, there's got to be a better way to deliver this training. So uh, that's how the idea to, the first idea to record a series of screencasts came about. And, you know, my idea was at that point to... Just provide this to my clients, and it was a way to free up my time, but also provide a resource for them that they could return to, you know, later if they needed to, and, and uh, refresh their memory and those kinds of things. So, mm. um, yeah, almost immediately I saw the potential, um, you know, for using WordPress for client sites. But um, then shortly after that was the need to educate clients and provide this resource that they can come back to again and again.
0: Mm. It's really interesting, you know. I have been here for a few days here and we just had WordCamp Europe in uh, in Leiden which is about 20 minutes out of, of Amsterdam. Uh, about 700 people, lots of conversations about WordPress and the, the you know, it's really interesting that there's this there's this overarching thing that WordPress is easier to use than anything else on the market. Yet you forget if you're brand new to it, you forget how difficult the onboarding process is. Like, the onboarding process for WordPress is really daunting. I mean, there is no onboarding process, really, if you've never used it before. And we were having that conversation, and people were saying over the weekend, oh, you know, no, nah, it's pretty easy to use. It's pretty easy to use. And I was saying, really? I know a couple of blokes that have actually built businesses out of the fact that there is no onboarding process. I'm actually interviewing him, you know, tomorrow Absolutely. night for our podcast. <laughs> so. It, it, it just yeah, goes to show, absolutely. you know, like how how daunting would it be using other open source CMSs that aren't as easy as WordPress? I mean, WordPress is the easiest, it has the largest market share, but the onboarding process still leaves a lot to be desired, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when I first started, I think I experimented with Drupal and Joomla, which at the time were, you know, night and day to WordPress I mean they were yeah. incredibly complicated and over years you know over the years they've you know at least Drupal has become a little easier to use they kind of model a little more after WordPress I know Drupal folks would probably hate to hear me say that <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they're a lot more similar these days uh, than they were in those early days and the Joomla was just incredibly complex although it was being used for a lot of enterprise level work and those kind of things um, so yeah I think at the time WordPress was probably the you know the easiest tool but you're absolutely right I you know we Hear from WordPress beginners all the time. You know that's mm. who we're serving, mm. and uh, and these folks find you know find it very complicated and, and it can be daunting. It can be overwhelming. In mm. fact, I have people sometimes email me and say, but if "This is as easy as it gets." Yeah. Then you know I'm in over my head. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've overestimated this. so, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, let's talk about uh, today, Sean Hesketh in WP101 and the year 2013. What do you? How do you explain what you do to people? What's your kind of one sentence elevator pitch?
1: Well, um, I think the elevator pitch is just I teach people how to build and manage their own websites without having to hire a web designer every time they want to make a small change, and uh, folks really enjoy that. Uh, you know, I, I find it's not really beneficial to lead off with I teach WordPress. Most folks don't know who that is. Most of the people that I'm dealing with, mm. you know, they're beginners. So um, WordPress, what is that? So that kind of branches is, but they understand. You know, building and managing your own website using a web browser. Tell me more, and uh, so that's kind of the elevator pitch for W one hundred one. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I think I think there's a huge uh, opportunity there. You know, to to you know help folks understand what exactly you know WordPress is, um, but we introduce them to that you know later later down the road.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting though. I I and I had I didn't know what your elevator pitch was, so you know this isn't scripted kids. This, we haven't rehearsed this. Uh, but I, what I really like about your <laughs> elevator pitch is that it doesn't mention WordPress. And your elevator pitch yeah. is actually just outlining the benefit that the person is going to receive. And then if they want to yeah. dig into it more, then you can start talking about the technology behind it. But initially, you don't talk about the technology because chances are they don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: And I find, you know, by connecting. At the end of the day, folks have in mind what their goals are, so they know why they need to build a website or you know, what it is that they're interested in, you know, in doing online, whether it's a blog, you know, somebody who just wants to you know, have an online journal, and a place to share their thoughts, or somebody who wants to build a full-out e-commerce site. So you know, rather than introducing them to the tools, I prefer folks understand, well, we've got a, we've got a roadmap to help you get there. And yeah. uh, by the way, it involves this product, you know, but we can introduce them to that over time.
0: Awesome. Uh, what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Uh,
1: I think almost all of my time is, is spent building relationships, you know, whether it's, um, you know, networking online, you know, connecting people on Twitter, uh, those kinds of things, or, or it's actually serving our own members, you know, answering WordPress questions in our forum or, um, you know, those types of things or doing pre-sales questions, um, it's just interfacing with people and, and, you know, interacting with them all day long. And um, so that's how I spend all my time, you know, when I'm not actively recording screencasts and tutorials, which is, you know, as you know, is the opportunity to go close the door, hide, disappear in a cave for a little <laughs> while, I do the recording and then come out. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, framing it that way helps me, too, just to stay focused on what's important. And what is important is these people on the other questions and you know trying to some point so how can i help them get from point a to point b
0: yeah awesome cool um what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night
1: <laughs> well, i guess <laughs> the holy holy grail of passive recurring income would say it's my you know non-stop paypal notifications going off all night <laughs> letting me know i've made money while i
0: slept but
1: uh no in in reality you know Somebody said it's your greatest strength is often your greatest weakness. And um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent for under promising and over delivering, you know, um, just blowing people's minds, exceeding expectations. But that also can become the greatest weakness. And so then, you know, I stay up at night obsessing about how to exceed people's expectations. It, you know, whether it was my work as a designer, uh, you know, for 25 years, um, obsessing over details and staying up late at night, making sure that every little, you know, uh, I was dotted T was crossed, those kind of things. And so, you know, it's only been recently that I've really owned the idea that uh, I'm a perfectionist. And um, so, <laughs> so I'm, you know, kind of embracing that and, and going, okay, yeah, this is, this is true of me. I never thought that that fit because I, I didn't consider myself a perfectionist when it came to my dealings with other people. And uh, so, but when it came to my own work, Everything had to be absolutely perfect, and so while that can be seen as a strength, uh, I think that was also that's a, a huge weakness, and that's what keeps me up at night is you know stressing and obsessing about you know making sure that every detail is is handled properly. Yeah. So well, you gotta you know, learn to to if, chill.
0: If if something's going to keep you awake at night, that's probably one of the good things that's going to keep you up at night because you're conscientious about the value that you're delivering your customers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that, that definitely helps. And I think, again, it kind of is the recurring theme, but, you know, it just comes back to the people. I want to make sure that we're constantly in touch with what their real world needs are and that we're able to deliver that. So, you know, I think about what we can do with WP 101 to leverage the relationships we've already built mm. with these folks who've come to us, you know, not knowing anything about WordPress. Now we've educated them. So How can we help them really accomplish where they're going, so I, you know, I stress about the next steps and the next level. of Where do we take this, and, and how do we grow?
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you do when you're not working?
1: Uh, I enjoy taking runs. Um, I've become a runner just a few years ago. I kind of took it back up again. Ran through high school competitively, obviously, but um, just a few years ago, got back into it, and um, mainly because I recognize the need to have some kind of outlet, you know, um, to let go of stress and kind of process all of that, and so. Um, but, you know, I, I don't i don't run competitively. I don't enter competitions or anything like that. But I run several times a week and do a, a 5K just about every time I go out. And um, so I can do about a 30-minute 5K, and I just find that's the perfect time to unplug and just kind of clear the mechanism, you know. And, and um, so it's been enormously beneficial. And then on the other end of that, uh, lest you think I'm some kind of a health nut, I, <laughs> I enjoy kicking back with friends you know, a cigar and a glass of scotch and, and uh you know having deep conversations and solving the world's problems so that's yeah. awesome
0: <laughs> nice balance there <laughs> yeah,
1: i think so you know you got to have a vice right
0: <laughs> yeah 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 um it's funny i didn't know you were a runner cuz i i i started running about uh, probably about 3 or 4 years ago and i'm i'm the same i'm like two 5k runs a week in about half an hour and it it is it's it's the yeah. perfect it's the perfect opportunity to just disconnect and clear your mind and and uh, come back with a new focus. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I call it zen running. For I have several friends who are competitive runners, so they want to know, when are you entering your next 5K or your 10K? When are you going to, you know, as if it doesn't really count until you've started, you know, competing. And I tell them, man, I, I don't run in that space. I mean, for me, yeah. I, I run to where it feels good. It's a nice, easy pace for me. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's still a 30-minute 5K, so I guess that's yeah. not too bad. But, yeah. uh, but I just find it's a comfortable pace for me. And uh, so it's more about just kind of being in the moment and not stressing about. You know, I know some folks, um, I've heard folks talk about how when they run, some of their most creative ideas happen and they kind of process things while they're running. And for me, it's kind of the, the opposite. I just want to completely clear the mechanism. So that's the Zen part of it for me. I find it's incredibly therapeutic. To just not concentrate about what I'm doing next, and you know, so it probably goes back to that perfectionist thing. Yeah. being able to let go of all those details and just be here for a minute and enjoy the run and enjoy the sounds, you know, sights and smells, you know, and just be in nature for a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. hey, how how long we're both going to Pressnomics in a couple of weeks, right? How long are you going to be in Arizona for for Pressnomics?
1: I'll be there through uh, Saturday, I think.
0: Are you? When do you arrive?
1: Uh, come in on Thursday.
0: Okay. Okay, bummer. I was trying to, I was trying to tee up a run that we could do while we were both there.
1: Oh man, that would be great. Yeah, uh, in fact, last Pressnomics, uh eighty and I were teasing. I saw he uh, got up early in the morning and you know strapped on his shoes and went for a run. And yeah. while I said I would love to have joined him on the run, man, there was no way I was getting yeah. up to go running that morning. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to do it another time.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, all right, let's talk about competition how i mean some people might think it's a bit weird that you know we're having this chat on this podcast because i mean some people would and rightly so look at our two products and think that we are competitors and you're probably the only person in the space that i kind of even consider seriously who's doing something similar to what we're doing um how do you how do you think about competition in the marketplace what's your what's your philosophy or approach to competition
1: I think it was last year at Pressnomics when uh, Matt mentioned that they were, at that time, there were like 17,000 new WordPress sites a day being created. Mm. And uh, so, you know, that goes a long way towards, um, you know, feeling or how you handle competition because I feel, and I'm sure you do the same, that, you know, there's plenty of market out there. And I recognize that what we're doing is slightly different from what you're doing. And I think, you know, every person in this space probably will... Handle it in slightly different manners, you know they're going to approach it a little bit differently, a different teaching style, and that's going to resonate with some folks and not with others and and i'm I'm perfectly fine with that you know I think it's only um, i guess having a mindset of abundance helps with that as well. Mm. if you feel like there's only so much pie and in order for me to succeed in business, you know you I have to make sure I get all the pie mm. then um, then I think it lends it, it lends to really nasty. Competition. Um, if you believe, on the other hand, that you know there's plenty of pie for everyone, there's plenty of plenty of market here, and we're all you know unique and going about it different ways, then I think it uh, it helps in how you handle uh, competition. So, I have on occasion when folks ask, for example, if we have written documentation to go with our tutorial videos, which we don't have, I don't really have any plans to create that material, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, but I can refer them. To you know, video user manuals to say, man, this is where you want to go, and so I I have no problem doing that. If someone really wants a face-to-face, personalized training, you know, uh, experience, I have no problem sending them to Bob WP, and and you know, he's amazing at what he does in that kind of face-to-face, one-on-one training environment that I'm not able to provide. So, Mm. uh, I think by recognizing the strengths and weaknesses of each of the products in the market, it lends itself to really healthy. It's hard to even call it competition, but you know, kind of a healthy, collaborative competition. If that, I guess that's one way to put it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, I mean, just being at a WordCamp, as well, the kind of open sharing um, approach of everyone there doesn't. I've never I've never seen that in any other industry. I mean, I've been to large conferences with 300 accountants and no one's sharing information about their business the way that we do in the WordPress community. Um, And just to kind of close that loop as well, I know that, I mean, we get inquiries all the time from people saying, uh, you know, do your videos include how to download plugins and how to install themes and all that kind of stuff? And we're like, nope, we don't do that. You want to go and see Sean at WP101? You know, can (laughs) "Can we take your videos and put them up in our membership site? And I'm like, nope, you want to go see Sean at WP101? You know, we we know what we do. We know what you do. And uh, I think, I think, You hit the nail on the head when you said it's that attitude of abundance, isn't it? Like, I was talking to the guys from WooThemes here at at WordCamp Europe, and I said, if Sean all of a sudden gave me all of his clients and closed down, I'd be in real strife. I can't handle that many clients right now, you know? (laughs) I'm not ready for that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Um, that's great. So, you know, how do you avoid then getting caught up in I mean there's a bit of drama in the WordPress space let's let's be honest there's a bit of you know political stuff going on there's people ranting on Twitter and there's you know there's always a little bit of drama going on in the WP space how do you avoid getting caught up in the in the WordPress drama
1: <laughs> with great effort i think <laughs> i think it's it's really easy to you know to respond there are things that blow up on Twitter and you know you see the blog post and and it, i think it's really easy to jump right in with your gut instinct but um, I think I fall back to some, something that a mentor said years and years ago, which kind of stuck with me, and that he said that if both parties shared this, the exact same information, then ninety percent of the time you would agree. So disagreements usually happen because we don't both have the same same information. Yeah. So I think by extending the benefit of the doubt to the other person who you know it might appear on the surface that you disagree you know vehemently but I think if you got in the trenches with the person, you really under their viewpoint, then, you know, you might say, oh, I, I see where you're coming from. I understand. Now, we may have a disagreement about how to deal with that, how to approach. But I think that definitely eliminates the, the drama. And uh, half the time, I just think, you know, Man, if we could just get these folks responsible for creating the drama in the same room, you know, put a face to the Twitter handle, you know, and talk about these <laughs> things, then I think they would probably resolve themselves.
0: Yeah, that is great advice. Um- I just want to talk about one thing. Uh, you and I have both been completely ripped off like verbatim, our plugins, our videos, our home pages, our website themes. It's happened quite a few times. Uh, how do yeah. you, how do you and I, I know you and I've spoken about this privately, but let's just you know talk for the benefit of, of our listeners. How do you handle that when you see someone completely ripping off your, your intellectual property and your entire business model and trying to repackage it as their own?
1: It gets really tricky because the space, you know, in which we're working is kind of governed by GPL, and this kind of idea of open source and, and um, you know, as a philosophy, I support that when it comes to actually my creative work, the video content, those things, they are protected by copyright. So, you know, while I want my materials to be able to you I want to help as many people as possible as you do. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, if we give everything away, then we can't continue doing this. So, um, so you know, there is a process in place. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we have to resort to a DMCA takedown notice or something like that to you know, to help guide this person. But I found in every one of those situations when I reach out to the person, if I if I take the time to reach out to them personally and like I just said, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, half the time it resolves itself because they didn't realize what they were doing was wrong.
0: Hmm.
1: Now that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. You know, um, because I would think anyone in business would understand, should understand issues of copyright infringement. Some of these things are, you know, they should be a no brainer at this in this day and age, Yeah. yeah. but unfortunately they're, they're not. So, um, I think I, I always take that approach initially, you know, is there a educational moment here? Can I reach out to this person? And maybe in so doing, you know, find, find a collaborative partner down the road. You never know. Um, but uh so I have that attitude when I go into it and it's only if somebody is, you know, completely bent on ripping you off that, you know, we'll resort to a DMCA takedown notice if that's what it takes, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. It is tricky. Um do you panic every time WordPress announces an update because you have to make new videos? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Um,
1: you know, I I think I I definitely lose sleep over it, Um, (laughs) but, you know, I I don't necessarily panic. I mean, I understand that's one of the things that differentiates, um, you know, our products from others is the fact that, you know, we continually update them for each major release of WordPress. That's something over the years folks have told me has tremendous value and, uh, you know, helps differentiate us from other sites that that we've seen, you know, come and go over time. So they Mm -hmm. jump into the waters, create 50, 60, 70 tutorials and then realize just a few months later they've got to redo all of those if they want them to be up to date. And most of those sites, unfortunately, will, you know, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, yeah. will quickly resign the game and move along. So I guess, you know, having the attitude that, hey, this is what, this is something that differentiates us, you know, then let's jump into it. It's more of an opportunity than anything. It is getting more tricky because now that development is taking place in these kind of side channels, taking place in plugins and then they'll be merged into core, uh, it now means having to kind of track the progress of half a dozen different side projects. Uh, mm. So it's definitely gotten more tricky. I'm sure you're running into that same mm. challenge. Yep. Um, you know, that's, I can see the reason for it. It's going to help WordPress to be more agile in their development. Um, but it definitely makes it difficult because we have to keep track of where where is MP6 in its process? What are the likelihoods that it's going to be folded into the next version of WordPress, you know, like 3.8, for example. And um, so building your production schedule around that can be a little tricky. Uh, yeah. You kind of have to be super flexible. So yeah, we kind of, we blocked out the time around the holidays and we know what I'm going to be doing. I'll lock myself yep. in my cave and yep. crank out the next set. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, let's talk about um, notoriety. What's the, what's the, you know, as, as a, not only as a commercial plug-in developer, but also the voice of WP101, you, like a lot of entrepreneurs in this space, you've ended up with quite a visible profile on the internet and, and particularly within the WordPress space. What do you think is the best thing and the worst thing about having that, that quite public profile?
1: It's funny. I, I'm not really aware of that so much, and you know, I don't really run in the circles where I feel like, you know, there definitely is no celebrity status, let's put it that way. But, you know, I I, uh, I enjoy when I go to a WordCamp and somebody, you know, is talking to me and say, wait a minute, where have I heard your voice? And, you know, then we, that, that's always a little bit, that's fun. Um, so, you know, most of it to me is just, is just fun as far as the, the good side of that, um, being able to be recognized and, and connected with people that um, otherwise – I would never have had the opportunity to to meet. So, you know, that's, I think, the benefit of that, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, through the website itself or just people emailing or reaching out, uh, that I really enjoy. So I enjoy being visible enough to where people can get in touch with me, ask questions, we can engage, talk about opportunities to collaborate, those kinds of things. Um, I think the negative side of all of that is just this perception that you're on 24-7, mm. you know. And, uh, it's a challenge, you know, because obviously we have to sleep sometime being a one man shop means that I don't have somebody who's on, you know, on duty 24 seven. Um, and so that can be a challenge. And, um, you know, I think the expectation from a lot of folks is that you don't take a day off, you know, it's Monday, it's Sunday through Saturday, you know, and, and you're just on all the time, aren't you? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so that can be a, that can be a little tricky to, you know, to navigate, but yeah, yeah so that's, that's definitely the downside.
0: Uh let's talk about what uh, what got you that uh that quite public profile WP101. What was the impetus for starting WP101? When when was when was the moment where you thought okay, I'm I'm going to start this as a business?
1: I think um you know as as I shared earlier, um the idea for it came just it just rose out of the need to Serve my clients better, so I found that I was spending the, all this time, you know, doing face-to-face trainings that would take, you know, a couple of hours to go through all the WordPress basics to the point that they felt comfortable doing it themselves. Uh, so the idea to create the screencast do the video tutorials, so that they could uh, come back and ask, you know, review sections that they may have gotten fuzzy on. Um, that that came, you know, pretty naturally as a need to serve my clients better. But the idea to make it into a business. I don't think came until I started talking with some other WordPress developers and I, and I started sharing with them what I was building and they said, hey, I need that for my clients, you know, because I'm having to do the same thing and I don't really enjoy teaching them how to use WordPress. I just want to focus on what I do best. I'm a developer. I'm a designer. Uh, I'm not a teacher. So if I can build their site and then hand them off to you, then that's an ideal scenario. So that's where the idea to, you know, turn it into a membership site um, kind of came out of so that that was that was birthed that way and that was we just celebrated uh five years ago since we launched at the end of september five years ago so
0: yeah cool uh so you really were scratching your own itch so to speak
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely um and you know i think that's a great thing uh you know to to constantly be on the lookout for those kind of things pain points ways to streamline i guess i'm always been i've always been a bit of a productivity junkie as well Mm. so you know uh, you know, I started my design business in 1988 as a freelance designer. So over the years, um, I had opportunities and, and there have been times when I thought, let's scale this and grow up and blow it up and hire other designers and bring them in. But I've, when I've had those opportunities, I've chosen to kind of go the other way. And it's been a bit of a challenge. But, you know, to keep things small means that I can continue having these types of relationships with people that really matter, those one-on-one interactions. And you just can't do that. At scale, so um, you know, scratching your own itch um, by keeping things small in a one-man shop. I also then have to streamline everything that I do and make sure that it's the best use of my time uh, and the best return, you know, on that time. If it's not 100% billable, then you know, how do you how do you do that as a freelancer? So um, yeah, WP 101 definitely came out of that that need uh, to better use my time. Also, the need for my customers who after the end of the Training session while they thought that it was great, and they said, Man, you've made this so you have a great way of taking complex things and making them more simple. That was one of the things that I heard a lot. That's great. But they said, But I got to admit, it feels like I just had a drink out of a fire hose, you know, because there's just so much information. What do I do if I forget, you know, what we've talked about here? And so that was one of the kind of pain points. I'm going, Man, what is it? Because I can't keep charging them to, you know, give them advice every time they have a question. How do we? you know leverage my time and um, and create a resource online that they can return to again and again as they need to and get refreshers on different different points mm. so yeah. and then
0: so then at some point you you turned the videos into the WP101 plugin which is so so yeah. that so that essentially web developers or wordpress consultants could then give your videos to their clients so that they could refer to them in their wordpress dashboard and that plugin was uh, co-built with Mark Jaquith, yeah? one of the, the who now is one of the lead developers on WordPress core. So, how did that relationship eventuate? How did you just reach out to to Mark and get that conversation going?
1: Well, that's a great example of the uh, you know the the power of leveraging social media the way it's supposed to be. So, I'd followed Mark, you know, via Twitter and seen his work with WordPress as a as a lead developer. So, obviously, I was familiar with him. But Mark had created a plugin called uh, WP Help which enabled folks to create their own kind of text-based you know, documentation right in the dashboard. Um, and so let me, let me back up because this is not unlike the creation of WP101. The plugin uh, arose because of conversations with WordPress developers who said, man, I'm loving sending folks to wp101.com, your membership site, to learn WordPress, but you know what would be ideal is if we could have these delivered right in the dashboard, you know, and provide these videos right there where these folks don't have to go anywhere else, and and we would be willing to pay, you know, to uh, have a plugin like that to deliver those those videos. So, you know, again, that came from conversations, r- real world needs, and then saying, well, you know, if we're going to continue serving these people, how else can we leverage these videos we've created and serve them a little better? So, um, so then uh, when I became familiar with Mark's plugin um it it functioned very in a very similar way to what i imagined in a for w101 so i very quickly sketched out the wireframes and communicated to him what we wanted to do how it was similar to but different from his wp help plugin and um and obviously the biggest reason for choosing mark is just because of his not only his expertise uh on wordpress you know because you know, being able to engage one of the lead developers, WordPress meant that I wasn't going to have to be worried about bugs and things down the road mm-hmm. that I would have to support. I knew that if Mark created it, it was going to be a solid product out of the door, and that developers would trust the plugin because it has Mark's name behind it. They mm-hmm. would say, "Okay, cool, we know we can install this without you know risking uh, conflicts with other plugins and those kind of things. so it it became really natural. But then the other thing was just his attention to detail and his excellence. And he's just amazing, you know, at the way that he handled the whole project. And still, folks who look at the code and the plugin, um, who are very experienced plugin developers themselves, just say, man, you know, I just learned something from Mark by looking at the code for your plugin. So, yeah, you know, yeah. he's just that good. And yeah. uh, so it, it was natural to, to use him for that. And, and it's, been, it's been great.
0: Awesome. Um, how, how did you find your first batch of customers? How did you start marketing the plugin?
1: Um, you know, the marketing we did primarily was through, was for wp101.com, and what I found, um, well, we spent tens of thousands of dollars on AdWords is what we did initially. So, wow. you know, trying to get those those eyeballs on uh, on wp101.com, and uh, you know, it was difficult getting traction early on. So, um, yeah, I'm not kidding. We spent just a tremendous amount of money on wp101 early on, just trying to get eyeballs. Um, but you know, pretty soon after that. Um, we, I started attending WordCamps because, again, you know, I, I really believe strongly in the power of building relationships. So started attending WordCamps. Um, we sponsored a couple of WordCamps, and that gave us an opportunity to have conversations with people and, and uh, introduce them to the product. Um, so the, so the w 101com is definitely where we spent the most of our marketing efforts. The plugin itself has actually been marketed largely by word of mouth. And that's happened because of relationships that we've maintained over the years with WordPress developers, who love the product enough that they're going out and telling other people about it. I've I've sat in WordCamp sessions and heard developers talking about the tools that they use, you know, to train their clients and how to use Word, and they recommend WP one which is you know, which is amazing. So um, that's all come out of relationships. And if I had to choose one or the other, spending tens of thousands of dollars for pay-per-click advertising <laughs> or the power of, you know, referrals and relationships, I would choose that route every time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't spend that same amount of money anymore with AdWords.
0: <laughs> and so what was the what was the main goal behind you know, this this I'm just coming off WordCamp Europe as well. I heard this conversation so many times. What was the main goal behind having a plug in with recurring revenue. Was it was it to get out of doing client work? Was it to have some recurring revenue to to give you a bit of security? What was what was the main goal behind that kind of model?
1: I think I lost your audio there right at the end, but I think I get the just of it.
0: Okay. Uh, so what, what yeah, yeah uh, what 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 was the main goal behind having that recurring revenue model? Was it so that you could get rid of client work?
1: No, absolutely not. Uh, In fact, you know, I I maintained both. It it has only been in the last um, year and a half that I was able to scale back dramatically on the client work that I take on um, and primarily focus on WP101. So for the first several years, uh, it was a side project Mm. um, and I continued doing client work. Uh, and, And honestly, my goal wasn't to, you know, make Passive recurring income, and, and yeah you know a lot of folks go into it with that kind of mindset they want to get out of doing client work and, and create a product and that's kind of the, the holy grail is to have that product that makes money while you sleep um, and, and I recognize the, the value in that, but for me you know I've always been driven in and I'm not saying this to be pretentious or, or get on a high horse, but I really enjoy getting in the trenches with folks and helping them figure out where they're going and then helping them get there. And um, so WP101 became a natural way for me to do that. Yes, it increased my bandwidth because there was only so much time that I could spend doing face-to-face, one-on-one client training. Um, and so by creating the tutorials, now I could send my client to these tutorials. They could watch them on their own time. But ultimately, they came back to, to me. And, uh, and then I was able to spend my time really building the relationship and serving them in ways that, you know, that only I could do u- uniquely. Um, so I'm still, I'm still about that. And, um, and WV101 has been great in that I think it accomplishes a lot of the same purpose as my freelance design work. So these days, I have yet to shut down, you know, my design business. I still have it open and, uh, and I still take on – you know some projects here and there, but it has enabled me to become much more selective mm. in the projects that I take on, um, and then you know to to charge rates that I think you know my time is worth and my expertise the, these days. So you know that's a couple of uh those are side benefits to me, but the the goal was it initially to create a product that enabled me to make money while I sleep, and I think that's a little bit of a misnomer because yeah you know every one of those folks who sign up are are also needing help, needing support, you know, you're going to have interactions with them. So I just look at it as a way for me to increase my bandwidth and connect with more people that I otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to connect with.
0: Yeah, I heard someone say recently, there's no such thing as passive income, there's recurring income, but there's no such thing as passive income.
1: Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree with that more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, freelancing for a minute. Uh, as you know, uh, WP Elevation is our business accelerator program, which helps WordPress freelancers mm-hmm. build better business. Uh, you have a lot of experience as a freelancer with Left Lane Designs, which was your your design freelance business. So, quick round mm-hmm. of uh, of how to elevate. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know?
1: Um, <laughs> that's a tricky one. I mean, how do you uh, come down with the one? Uh, I, I would say something that's helped me is, is remembering that it's not about you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's about the person at the other end. Um, and, and I really do mean that. I mean, I think if you focus on your product and your service uh, all the time, then all you're trying to find is, is there an opportunity here for me to sell my product or service? And if there's not, then I move along. Right. So I think if you focus on people first, um, not your product or your service, but you really focus on the people and what are their needs, you know, wh- where are you going, and what is it that you see yourself doing you know, in a few years, and how can I help you do that? Uh, I think as an attitude that works you know, for freelancers, uh, it definitely served me you know, and continues to because uh, it guides and informs everything that I do is, is around that principle by focusing on people and not your product and
0: service. Right on. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new clients? Uh,
1: (laughs) Honestly, I think it's blow your current customer's mind. You know, I think um, if you can exceed their expect, you know, exceed every expectation, um, then you're going to turn them into your most avid salespeople. Um, So I I take every opportunity to make sure that we, you know, deliver what we say we're going to deliver, you know, when we say we're going to do it. Um, you know, so I think that integrity is a big thing, but, um, I think in terms of finding new customers, do everything you can to blow your current customers mind so that they turn around and they want to tell, you know, 10, 15 of their best friends and colleagues. Um, honestly, that's the best way, best way I think to go about finding new customers, engage your current audience.
0: Great advice. How do you stop competing on price?
1: (laughs) And that is another (laughs) tricky one, isn't it? Um, you know, I think to some extent, WP One Hundred One. Uh, we we still do compete somewhat on price. Uh, in in that there's a there's a current level there's a level that I think the market will support uh, for this type of training, this level of training. So to some extent, I think uh, when when we're talking about products and services, uh, it is important to charge based on the value of what you're delivering. But I think you have to be careful to balance that with what the market will bear because folks haven't had the opportunity yet to experience your product and have their mind blown. And if they just see the sticker up front, then a lot of times they're going to bail. So this is the reason why we you know, provide some of our videos for free because I want you to be able to experience a benefit from some of the training videos that we provide so that it provides some benefit before you ever push the sign up button. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's key. But you know, if I kind of change hats and talk about as a designer, as a freelancer, um, I think a big shift there, uh, as far as not competing on price, came in just becoming comfortable with your own expertise, what you can do really well, and uh, knowing the value that you're to the table. And that, that took me years, because like a lot of creative types, you know, we tend to be more insecure and constantly looking for affirmation. and So, you know, you you're kind of you tend to be more timid with your pricing and you're putting out prices almost with a question mark attached. You know, well, here's how much I think we'll charge. And, and so something has to change. At some point, you know, after doing this for 25 years, I can't really pinpoint where that change happened for me, but there definitely was a shift in saying, you know what, I've been doing this long enough. I know what I'm talking about. Um, and there's value in what I'm bringing to the table. And here's what that value is worth. Um, not just to you as the client, but, but also to, to me um, you know, in terms of trading up. I'm trading my time to engage and serve with you, to get in the trenches with you. So what is that worth to both of us? And if it's not mutually beneficial, then it's not going to be a healthy partnership. Mm. So I think that's, that's helped just uh, shifting in confidence and knowing the value that you bring to the table um, is, a, is a huge key.
0: Great advice. Um, any tips on writing better proposals?
1: um i think the the best tip in terms of feedback i got from my clients was uh, using a conversational tone i think it's real easy to you know when you're writing these types of documentation to drop into this mode of writing and communicating that no longer sounds like you you know and uh And so they're having a different experience because they met you and talked to you about their project. They like that guy, but now they're seeing this paperwork that looks like it's filled with legalese, you know, and and terms and conditions and what is it? So I think shifting some of that, you know, to a more conversational tone, you know, has definitely helped. Um, You know, I used some tools um, over the years. I used BidSketch for some of the more lengthy proposals, which was great because you could you know, write modules and then, uh, kind of drag and drop those into a proposals depending on what the project entails. So bid sketch was a great tool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think just the biggest thing I think is just remember to continue extending your brand, that experience that you want them to take away, you know, through your proposal and all the other paperwork, and then just be crystal clear in your communication, you know, um, don't make them read is kind of the rule of thumb there. You know, yeah. just communicate concisely what it is you're going to do, when you're going to con- do it, and um, and for how much.
0: Nice. And and furthermore, including but not limited to, <laughs> don't use that <laughs> yeah, kind of language. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Client <laughs> says so and so, so and so. Yeah. You know,
0: designer says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can
1: eliminate that, yeah, you'll be you'll be in good shape.
0: Yeah. Uh, Favorite tool or system for customer relationship management, CRM?
1: You know, I think uh, being a one-man shop, I've never had the challenge of managing hundreds and hundreds of clients at one time. So um, in terms of tools, you know, I've used Basecamp, which helps my clients seem to enjoy Basecamp as a tool um, uh, to be able to clearly communicate. But you know, I also created on my own um, on my own site. I would create just a very simple project roadmap for my customers um, that just had a series of checkboxes and let them know where we are in the project. Am, am I waiting on you, or are you waiting on me for materials? That kind of thing. When can I expect the next thing? And by just having a simple page with check boxes that we worked our way down, uh, the customer always knew where we were mm-hmm. at any time. So I, I never really had the need for a CRM system in the sense of you know managing. Um, customers other than, um, you know, the billing system we use, which is FreshBooks, um, and then just a good old-fashioned address book uh, where I maintain, you know, uh, customer contact information. Uh, but I never really had the, the need, I think, for a big CRM tool uh, outside the scope of the projects.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I think, you yeah, just answer the next question as well, which is what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? And that, that kind of one-page running uh, running dialogue of where we're up to, Sounds like a really neat idea
1: yeah, and it's the thing that my clients um, after the fact, would say, "You know what I really enjoyed most was having that online project roadmap, and they would just bookmark it, we encourage them to just bookmark it, check it as often as they liked mm. and um, and so that was a way to keep crystal clear you know communications and expectations, um, so yeah, I think anything you can do to communicate clearly and make sure that the expectations um, are you know clearly defined it does two things one is it puts the client at ease because they know where they are at all times and I think you know part of the there, there's there's a little leap of faith especially when dealing with the designer or developer for the first time you know you don 't know are they really going to deliver what they said they're going to deliver mm-hmm. so by having that constant communication i'm able to be at ease and know as a client you know that this guy's got it it's it's under control here's where we are in the process at any time here's what the next action you know, item is. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's critical, but I take every opportunity to make sure that we're speaking clearly, whether it's an email, the project roadmap, you know, in the proposal to make sure that all the expectations are mapped out. The second thing that does is it enables me then to blow my customer's mind, you know, Mm. to beat every one of those expectations. Um, so by mapping these things out, they know exactly what they're able to expect. So when I deliver something that may not be billable, um, then they're blown away and they go, wow, you know, he went over and above what we talked about doing. And I think, and here's a good tip. I started several years ago, um, entering those things on the final invoice as no bill items. So anything that I did that was outside the scope of the project, I made sure that the client knew, here's what it is that I did for you outside that scope. Uh, here's what that's normally worth. You weren't billed a thing for that. Mm -hmm. And boy, that's another thing that helped clients to come back to me again and again is that they felt in every situa- every project, they felt they were getting more than what they paid for. Yeah, and yeah. So that that's, helped.
0: That's awesome. Um, I think I know how you're going to answer this next question. Any ideas for getting referrals from your existing clients?
1: <laughs> Have I already said it enough times? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Blow, yeah, their mind. You know, again, <laughs> blow their minds. Again, just blow their minds, and that's it. Yeah. Blow their minds. Beat that, every expectation that they have. I think Michael Hyatt calls it um, delivering a wow experience. Um, if it's not him, someone close to him said that. And I think that's great. That kind of you know resonates in the back of my mind. I think about how can I create an experience that makes this customer say wow every time.
0: Mm. So how can a freelancer what's the number one thing a freelancer can do to differentiate themselves from everyone else?
1: <laughs> you know, sadly, we we're in a, a, a time where integrity, you know, just doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and for how much you agree, those things uh, can differentiate you from, you know, from the rest of the pack. I had uh, clients come to me again and again and just say, you know, we've dealt with designers in the past. Um they were just lakey, the whole lot of them. And uh, you weren't that. You were, you know, reliable and consistent. And you know, we we always knew where we were with you and, and you did what you say you were gonna do. You know, sometimes that involves a little bit of swearing to your own hurt. So if there was an educational process, you know, over the years, it was learning not to promise, you know, things that just physically can't be done without me burning the midnight oil every night for four nights in a row, you know, uh, letting yourself get up against a fence where you're like, man, now in order for me to deliver this thing by Friday you know, I can't sleep for the next three days. Um, so it took some education. Uh, my wife was great in, uh, coaching me in that. And, you know, she, she started saying, well, that's great. This is a great timeline. Now double it, you know, so you have plenty of time built in there for the unexpected, you know, those kind of things. So, uh, so yeah, I think, um, you know, in terms of differentiating yourself, um, you know, deal with integrity. Don't be flaky. Um, that by itself can differentiate you from the rest of the crowd, uh, Unfortunately, but leverage that and take advantage of it. It gives you the opportunity to focus on the relationship uh, with the customer and not just the scope of the project or the sale of your product or service.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's so true. Like, it it kind of is sad that the best way to differentiate yourself is to not be flaky, but it's so true because every time we deal with clients, we hear horror stories of. Guys, I've worked with in the past that got halfway through a project and disappeared to go, you know, backpacking through Thailand and Vietnam, and they never heard from them again. Right. And uh, you know, it's it it's uh, unfortunately, web freelancers don't have the best reputation of being reliable, do they?
1: That's exactly it. That's the feedback that the clients continue to, to you know tell me. Uh, and so the fact that they're shocked and surprised uh, to have an experience outside of that is you know crystal clear proof of that. I mean, just yeah. just do what. You know, integrity. It's the golden rule, isn't it? I mean, just yep. treat them the way you want to be treated, and, uh, and that by itself will differentiate you from a lot of the rest of the field.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the future. Uh, what is the future for WP 101?
1: I hope we're around for years. I mean, I hope we're continuing to help people learn how to use WordPress. Um, you know, I think one of the great opportunities we have, uh, like I mentioned earlier, one of the things that keeps me up at night is. Um, Talking, thinking about how we can deliver a kind of a next tier of educational content. You know, what are the next steps that a person needs to learn? So while WP101 covers the basics of how to use WordPress, um, are we really helping people to accomplish the goals that they have in mind? You know, if they want to build a blog or an e-commerce site, how do we help them get that training as well? So, you know, I, I hope we're able to execute on that next steps uh, that next level of training, material, uh, uh, tutorials, and those kind of things, knowing that with every video we create, there's also the commitment to keep them up to date. Mm. And so that's a huge challenge, and it's why we've chosen to be very strategic in how we move forward because we want to continue you know, delivering that same uh, level of excellence that we've done up until now that folks have you know, come to know WP 101 to do. Um, so we want to make sure whatever we deliver, we can continue keeping it up to date with each new release, and and, um, and so there are some challenges to overcome with that, but hopefully that's uh, that's where we'll be shortly.
0: We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment and how that ties in with our competition. Uh, what's the, f- f- for you, what's the future of WordPress look like?
1: I think, um, you know, it, it, when you look at WordPress right now, especially compared to what it looked like, you know, when I first uh, took a look in 2.1 or whatever that was, you um, you know it's definitely changed it's become more robust more flexible more powerful as a platform I think WordPress will continue um, you know refining the code base they're going to continue expanding on the tools that developers need to really create full-blown web applications so I see WordPress um, at least under the hood you know becoming more robust more powerful more flexible so that it can power even more of the web more than the twenty percent that it powers already uh, which in itself is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see them continuing to do that, um, but I'm hearing increasingly more from um, our own members and from, you know, beginners, true web beginners. They're new to web publishing and we're telling them, like you said earlier, that WordPress is, is the best tool out there for the job. They're already overwhelmed. And uh, so the challenge, I think, for WordPress is how to continue serving that base who have come to love WordPress for its simplicity or they've learned the ropes, don't go changing everything such that, that very simple blogger, you know, can't, can't use that. I think there's opportunities for some of the other tools that we've seen pop up recently, like ghost and some of the other platforms who just want to do one thing well, and that's just help you blog or just help you build. So there's, there is opportunity I think in the wake of WordPress growth, um, you know, for other Products to come in and fill those gaps for folks who just want one thing.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I, I I interviewed John O'Nolan last week for the podcast, which will go live in a couple of weeks' time, and it's really interesting. I, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes, plays out, and how it fits into the space. And and um and you know and, and there's a, there's quite a few other um there's Medium from from the guys at Twitter. There's there's a few other really simple kind of blogging platforms that that kind of WordPress was five you know five and a half years ago and it's become more of a full-blown cms so it's really interesting to see where these tools go over the next three years where wordpress goes and where these other kind of simplified blogging tools go excuse me where where will you be where will sean hesketh be in three years from now
1: you know looking back over my whole career whether it was you know in design uh now with wp101 or whatever it's going to be in the future it's I know that the common thread that runs through all that is I, I really do enjoy getting in the trenches with folks, helping them to define and clarify where they're going and then, you know, helping them to get there. So how to help folks get from point A to point B. That was the case in my design business. It's the case now with WP 101. Uh, and I hope, you know, whatever I'm doing, I know that it's going to have that thread running through it. So, you know, um, I hope again, that I'm doing WP 101 for a long time. Uh, but I also recognize that, you know, there still is the, um, I, the reason why I still continue taking on some projects here and there is because of that very need. It's the need to really just get in the trenches with somebody and work on their product and help them, you know, see that get from point A to point B. And uh, that still charges me up. I still get a real charge out of that. So, uh, you know, whether it's consulting, uh, design, we'll, we'll see how that shapes out. But doing more of the same.
0: Cool. Um, Okay, just before we wrap up, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business?
1: Um, It's very simple. Don't waste time answering questions that aren't being asked. You know, it seems (laughs) like I've seen... Um, you know, a, a dozen products come up even in the past year that seemed like they had incredible potential and then they just flopped. You know, no, one, no one got on board. And I think the reason why is because the tendency is when you think you have a great idea, it's to close your door, you know, go into your closet and build this thing that you just know is going to be amazing and then you launch it and nobody else thinks it's amazing. And I think that happens because uh, we don't take the time to really engage the audience that, you, that you're really trying to serve. If you do take that time and you ask questions then they'll tell you you know, what they need and uh, and then you have an opportunity there to to serve that need. Mm. So, for example, the WP101 plugin was never on the radar uh, you know, when I first launched WP101. That came about because of the relationships with WordPress developers uh, and designers who said, hey, I could use that and here's how I would like to deliver that to my clients. So we went to work building that in the best way possible. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it just boils down to one simple thing. Just ask questions. You know, Engage your audience, the audience you're trying to serve, and ask them questions. Don't, don't waste time answering questions that aren't being asked.
0: Great advice. I really like the way you, you coined that phrase too. Um, all right, just before we finish up, uh, I'm going to announce the details of this competition. We're going to give away a $50 Amazon voucher so you can buy whatever book you're wanting to get your hands on. Uh, all you need to do is under this video, leave your idea on what you would like to see in the WP101 offering so if there's a video that you want to see that's not included if there's a whole stream of videos you want to see that aren't included what do you want to see in the WP101 offering and how can Sean improve uh, what he's already doing at WP101 I'll get Sean to swing by in about a week's time and look at those comments and award the prize sound cool awesome cool all right hey Sean where can people reach out to you and say thanks
1: on Twitter, you can find me at Left Lane. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, of course, WP101.com is the website, and you can follow WP101 on Twitter as well, at WP101, or on Facebook and all the other uh, networks as well, but you can start there.
0: Awesome. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview for the WP Elevation podcast, and why?
1: There's a, a a Genesis developer I've come to respect over the years. That's Bill Erickson, and I don't know uh, if you've yeah. heard his name or not, but a yep. brilliant guy. Uh, you know, not only because of what he does uh, as a developer, so he he creates a tremendous amount of you know code and plugins and things that have been useful for other Genesis developers. He's really motivated to you know give those tools to other developers and help them become successful. Um, but I've heard him speak in several WordCamps and meetups about his business practices, mm. and he's got some brilliant ways to handle you know, how he deals with customers and proposals and some great strategies. Uh, he really helped me in managing um, the expectation surrounding client meetings and phone calls and how to set a client's expectations about how available you will be during your scope of work, your, during your project scope. So he's got tremendous things, it, not to mention he created a, a his own CRM Uh, system built on WordPress just to manage his customers so Mm. I think he would have a tremendous amount of uh, value to your viewers
0: yeah I think you're right he was on the I heard him on the Matt report a couple of weeks ago and it was awesome it was mind-blowing so Bill Erickson you heard it here I'm coming to get you thanks to uh, Sean Hesketh hey Sean it has been awesome having you on the WP Elevation podcast I really want to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with us and I don't know about you but it wasn't weird at all for me (laughs)
1: not at all man enjoyed every bit of it thanks for having me on hey I love what you're doing with WP Elevation man watching closely
0: awesome thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you at Pressnomics in a couple of weeks sounds
1: great looking forward to it
0: cheers man